coming up on today's episode, the NFL season officially comes to an end as the Los Angeles Rams are crowned Super Bowl champions of the world. Odell Beckham is a Super Bowl champ. Even though he got hurt and went down with the injury would absolutely hurt me. I'm just so glad he was able to make an impact and score the opening touchdown and make an impact this entire season since being a Los Angeles Ram. And hey, he's a freaking champ. So let the haters hate. Odell Beckham is a champ. So I'm going to talk about the Super Bowl. I'm going to give you guys my reaction. We're going to talk a little bit about the game. Give you guys an update on the Dolphins, how I feel about Mike McDaniel following his press conference and interviews. And then... The usual Miami Heat and NBA talk. The Heat still killing it. Still in first place in the Eastern Conference. We got a lot to talk about. All that coming up on the Miami Sports Vibes Podcast. Welcome to the Miami Sports Vibes Podcast. Another episode here. We're getting started with the NFL Super Bowl, which just concluded on Sunday. And what a freaking game that was, man. I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. Talk about going toe-to-toe. Talk about making it an entertaining Super Bowl, which we haven't had in quite some time. I mean, the 49ers and Chiefs one was all right. You can say that. But, you know, the Chiefs getting blown out a couple years back. The Patriots blowing out the Rams. All we wanted as football fans were Dolphin fans. So we just wanted a damn good game. And I'm just glad we got to see that, man. I mean, Joe Burrow was awesome. Uh, He was 22 for 33, 263 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Got sacked seven times, though. And you hit hate to see that if you're a Cincinnati Bengal fan you know there was already talk about the offensive line not being so good and those Rams got after Joe Burrow and they made their presence felt right away I mean Aaron Donald was playing out of his mind came up clutch there at the end Love to see that. Von Miller was constantly bringing pressure throughout the whole game. Uh, I don't think he picked up a sack, but Von Miller was definitely on one. Joe Mixon on Cincinnati side had 15 carries for 72 yards. I thought he played pretty well, honestly, and I'm kind of surprised they didn't give him the ball more. I actually thought Mixon was really, really popping off some good runs. I remember he had a 10-plus yard gain in the beginning of the game, if I'm not mistaken, and I would have went to Mixon a little bit more, honestly. Uh, T. Higgins on the receiving end, he had four receptions for 100 yards and two touchdowns that dude was big time definitely a seven targets hey you you did your thing my man jamar chase five receptions for 89 yards including that 46 yard completion in the beginning of the game on jalen ramsey he did his thing as well tyler boyd chimed in five receptions for 48 yards but ultimately it was not enough to stop the Bengals from winning this game. I mean, you look at those stats, you you pair in no interceptions, you look at it, I mean, the stats are pretty good from an offensive end, but, I mean, let's just be honest, getting sacked seven times in a Super Bowl is not good. I mean, we remember just one year ago, Patrick Mahomes behind a bad offensive line was just constantly running away from pressure time and time again, and ultimately, that the Bucks won, and usually the teams with the good front lines they're the ones that prevail in the Super Bowl. I mean, we think about the New York Giants back then when they were able to beat Tom Brady those two times. They had that dominant front four. Look at the Bucks last year. Dominant front four. And now the Los Angeles Rams with Von Miller and Aaron Donald and those boys, they were able to get after. And that, to me, that was the changing point. 
And that's not even talking about the Rams' defensive cornerback and Eli Apple. I mean, <laughs> that dude got freaking torched. I mean, he was getting attacked. Like, Stafford said, hey, wherever Eli Apple is, that's exactly where I'm going to throw the ball. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, you guys see the memes out there. Eli Apple completely just getting freaking roasted. It's, it's crazy, man. There, there's a couple of, of memes out there with a little burnt toast uh, memes with Eli Apple, those crack me the hell up. Uh, but let's talk about the Los Angeles Rams and, and their stats. So Matthew Stafford, 26 for 40, 283 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. I, I didn't like that game. I didn't like Stafford's game. I'm going to be honest with you. I was really not impressed. I expected him to play a more complete game. And those two interceptions, I thought they were very, very costly. And shout out to the Rams defense for just constantly just not letting the game slip away. I mean, the Bengals pretty much had control of this game for a majority of the time. And it really seemed like everything was just working the Bengals way. Like all the Bengals needed to do was probably score one more touchdown, give themselves some breathing room, and they would be world champions. There's no doubt about it. But the Rams just like constantly just bringing pressure getting timely stops getting those three and outs and Stafford definitely owes it to those guys because hey those two interceptions could have been costly if it wasn't for such a great defense out there in Los Angeles Cam Akers had 13 carries for 21 yards he could not get anything going from a rushing perspective uh Daryl Henderson four carries for seven Sony Michelle two carries for two so Cincinnati was all over that which is pretty good I mean you you know Stafford's gonna pass and Odell Beckham had two receptions my guy for 52 yards and a touchdown opened it up with a tutty love Odell Beckham you guys know he's my favorite player he went down early with the injury man and to me you know my heart just went out for him Obviously, my favorite player, you know, he's on the big stage in the Super Bowl where I wanted him to just prove everyone wrong. And I remember I placed the bet, first touchdown score, Odell Beckham, cash that. There was no doubt about it. I, I was like, hey, you know what? My boy's going to score the first one. Like, why not? It just felt right. And of course, that, that was a reality. It was a beautiful, beautiful throw and catch. Beautiful, beautiful job beautiful execution love to see it. and then moments after that just going down with that injury they they say it's a potential ACL maybe MCL uh, I'm not sure the wording on that but you know seeing him go down like that and stay down take off his helmet I knew I knew he was going to be done for the night and that ended up being the case like part of me said you know there's a chance you know it's a Super Bowl but yeah it sucks man because now he's a free agent and who knows if he's going to get another opportunity to cash in big time I mean you're going to have now a guy, you know, possibly having surgery on that same knee now, what, like two in two years? I mean, two seasons out of the last three years. It's going to be tough for a team to bank on that. And I understand it, but, you know, him being my favorite player, man, I, man, I, I feel bad for him. But, I'm hey, at the end of the day, he contributed to this Rams team and he won the Super Bowl. So he's a champ. So I can't feel too bad for him because at the end of the day, he scored a touchdown in this game, made his presence felt early, and he's a fucking champ. So let the haters hate. Odell is a champion. No one could ever take that away from him. Uh, but let's talk about the other guys. And the other guys, it's a short list to me, and it's Cooper freaking Cup. Uh, eight receptions, 92 yards, two touchdown passes on 10 targets, caught eight of them, boys. Listen, Cooper Cup is freaking amazing. I mean, this guy just comes up big time every single time. Don't matter if it's second and long, second and short, third and long, third and short, fourth and whatever, uh, double covered. 
he, this guy finds a freaking way. And talk about that last drive in particular. I mean, Rams are pretty much done. Haven't scored in a while. The game changed completely once Odell Beckham went out. It's 16 to 20 at this point. You got, it's a pretty much like a two minute drill here. And you know where the ball is going. I mean, Stafford looks like he's saying, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to throw it to my best receiver and I'm going to go down that way. Like if I lose, I lose. But I'm going to go, if I'm going to lose, I'm going to go down throwing on my best receiver. And I like that approach because I, I, I'm pretty much the same way. Like if I was able, obviously I'm not talented as a, as a quarterback, but you guys know what I'm saying. Like if I was a coach or something like that, I would definitely say, you know, Odell's out. We're not getting nothing going on offense. Let's just ride or die with Cooper Cup. I mean, we're in the Super Bowl because of Cooper Cup. To me, he's an MVP, should be the MVP. And that's what I'm going to roll with. <laughs> and Stafford did that. I mean, he was constantly looking for him, constantly throwing to him. And the Bengals knew he was going to get targeted. And they could not do anything about it. You know, putting together that touchdown. Hey, Cooper Cup is amazing. Winning Super Bowl MVP as I think he deserved it. Awesome. Awesome. I'm so glad he got it. You know, a lot of times these these awards go to a, a quarterback because, you know, that's the that's the popular award, you know. But I'm really, really glad that Cooper Cup was able to win that Super Bowl MVP and they didn't rob it. You know, they didn't rob him from it. A lot of times they rob these guys. But Cooper Cup got it and he absolutely deserved it. Balled the hell out, not only in the Super Bowl, but all freaking season. I mean, listen, they do not win. They really don't. They don't win the Super Bowl. They don't get to the Super Bowl if it wasn't for Cooper Cup. So big shout out to Cooper Cup. I'm happy he got it. And shout out to the Los Angeles Rams, my brother's team, for winning the Super Bowl 23 to 20. It was an entertaining one. And how about the freaking halftime show? That was also pretty damn fun. I enjoyed that. I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys did. Hey, if you didn't, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, man. I feel like these these halftime shows just get better and better and better. And I, I'm just excited. I'm excited. You know, I'm a little sad, though, you know, being that the NFL season is officially over. You know, obviously, we still got things to talk about. We got free agency coming up. We got the draft. We got mock drafts to talk about. But just like the fact that we're not really going to watch NFL games until what? August? I mean, these are going to be a long freaking six months. It's always like that that spot, you know, where you just miss football and then it gets here and then it goes by so damn fast. I freaking love the NFL, just like a lot of you guys listening to this. Um, but yeah, there you have it. Super Bowl's ended. NFL season is over. Cheers to next season. But now, hey, we, we got we to gotta turn the page. We got to turn the page and, and start focusing in on our Miami Dolphins, obviously with the new head coach and Mike McDaniel. You know, uh, he's killed his press conference. I mean, his opening press conference was awesome. Uh, also, he was on the Dan Lebitard show. You guys should definitely check that out if you haven't already. Mike McDaniel was talking to those guys. He was talking about Tua, what he expects from Tua. He expects Tua to work hard. Love to see that. And you really feel the confidence in Mike McDaniel. When he's talking, like, you, you, can, you can feel it. You get confidence as a fan. You're like, damn, like, he sounds really inspiring. So, obviously, you guys know I, I want results at the end of the day. And if I don't get results, then I, I don't know. You know, these Dolphins have really, really scared me. You know, I, every time I get excited, every time I get optimistic, I think, here come the Dolphins. They're going to let me down. And I was so optimistic last season, following those two, you know, that, that nice 10-win season. You had Brian Flores coming back. 
I'm like, this team's going to the playoffs. We're going to win 12, 13 games. I'm afraid to do that again. I'm really afraid. And it's nothing against Mike McDaniel. I would have been this way with any coach, even the guys I wanted. You guys know I wanted Doug Peterson, uh, Eric Bieniemy, and Dayball. Those were my top three. I, I would have been scared either way. So it's nothing on Mike McDaniel, but everything I've heard from him and seeing his press conferences and his interview when he's talking about Tua, you know, you can sense that a lot of those things could potentially be fake because, you know, the camera's on and things like that happen, right? But you, you kind of don't get that vibe out of this guy. Like, you really feel like he's being serious about this stuff. And that's one thing that just absolutely has to get every single Dolphins fan excited. Honestly, and it's not only him talking about Tua, it's him talking about life in general, talking about the run game, talking about his past experiences. It's just he's checking off all these good boxes. I thought he's absolutely killed every interview, every podcast, every, the, all the press conferences, everything. Just an excellent job. Also, you know, everybody's enamored with let's make Jalen Waddle like that Debo Samuel type player. And then they asked him about it on Levitard's show. And that's why I think you guys should definitely check it out. He was asked, like, oh, who excites you the most, like, besides Tua? Like, who? And he was like, waddle, waddle, like, right away. Like, and th that stuff right there, that's what really, really excites you is that he sees the vision we see. And he sees it way more clear than we do because he's the freaking coach. But things like that, I mean, he's absolutely killing it. He's getting me excited. I'm not going to lie. I really I, – I am excited. I, I'm interested. I'm very, very interested to see what he's able to do. I'm excited. I want to watch it. I want to see him get the ball rolling. I, I think he has the ability to do so, but I'm pumping the brakes simply because I've been hurt before by this Dolphins team, and I just want to see it. And it's not against Mike McDaniel, but just wanted to fill you guys in with that. But, hey, NFL season is over, but like I said, we have a lot of things to talk about still. We got free agency coming up, mock drafts coming up. I'm definitely going to keep you guys posted just like I did last offseason, talking about all of that, filling you in with some mock drafts. As we get closer to the NFL draft, and you know the NFL season barely sleeps. I mean, we'll have a dead point in some a couple of months, but not right now. I mean, we are going to continue to have Dolphins talk right here for you guys. But peace out to this NFL season. So let's get into some Miami Heat and NBA talk right here. All right, so... The Miami Heat still rolling along, doing what they're doing. How about a perfect freaking week this past week? Going 3-0, winning games against the Washington Wizards on the road, backing that up with a win against the Pelicans on the road as well, and then ultimately beating the Brooklyn Nets as they came to town on Saturday night. Winning a close one. The Heat just wanted to make that one entertaining. Why? I don't know. We were up big in that game, but then unfortunately... It was down to the wire at the end, but a big, big key stop by Kyle freaking Larry denying the ball from Kyrie Irving, getting the steal, which ultimately led to the win, and the Heat pulled that one off 115-111 and continue to hold that first seed in the NBA in the Eastern Conference. Record right now sits at 37-20. and 20. We got a game tonight against the Dallas Mavericks, so we look to capitalize on that. Uh, the home record, 19-6. and six. That's looking absolutely lovely. Road record, 18-14. and 14. Not exactly where I would love it to be, but it has been improving. Obviously, 23-12 and 12 in the conference. 7-3 and three over our last 10 games. Five-game winning streak for your Miami Heat. 
Everything is starting to click. These boys are healthy. Victor Oladipo is on his way back. Markeith Morris, we still don't know the status of that, but he's apparently healthy, but we don't know what's going to happen. Man, it's just a great, great time to be a Heat fan. Heat are just constantly just proving everybody wrong on a night-to-night basis and just playing with so much consistency in the offense and defensive end and coaching. I mean, I've been hammering coach Eric Spolstra has to be coach of the year. And he just keeps showing it on a night-to-night freaking basis. Uh, Shout-out to the Miami Heat, man, continuing to make us all happy. So I talked about it earlier. We do play a game tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. This game is at home. We took care of Dallas last time we played them. That was a primetime game on TNT. Uh, The Dallas Mavericks did make a trade, and we're going to talk about the NBA trades. Uh, They got rid of Porzingis. So Kristaps Porzingis no longer there. Instead, they have Spencer Dinwiddie running the show there with Luka Doncic in the backcourt. So a new addition, I believe he's going to make his debut tonight as a Dallas Maverick against us, but we will see how that goes if that does happen. But nonetheless, Dallas Mavericks, 33-24, and 24, they're a real solid team. You know what you're going to get from Dallas. Uh, they struggle rebounding the ball, so I think Bam Adebayo definitely is on pace for a double-double for this game. Luka Doncic, that's the guy you got to worry about. That's a nightly triple-double just waiting to happen. This guy can make shots, make plays, rebound the ball. He does it all. So that's pretty much the only guy that seems to be a guy where we're scared of. But Luka's going to get his, okay? If you just continue to do your thing and play like the way you've been playing, we should take care of business against Dallas tonight. Not too worried about that. Then Thursday night, we do play the Charlotte Hornets, a team that we've played a couple times here. Always a disgusting game when we play these guys. Just two scrappy teams, two well-coached teams, and they just always seem to make it a game. But honestly, ever since Malik Monk has been out of town in Charlotte, we've pretty much handled them easily when the final score is up there. So... We're playing in Charlotte. Not a team I take lightly, though. We do have to take care of business. Hopefully, we win that game. I think we will. And then second night of a back-to-back, this game is in Madison Square Garden, where we we take on the New York Knicks. This game's on ESPN primetime. Anytime you play at the Garden, you know it's special. So I know our guys are going to get up for that. I expect a legit beatdown, like we talked about when we played the, the Knicks last time. Like, the Knicks are nowhere like near our level like the drop off of talent and just team and everything everything shooting playmaking skill talent coaching like it's such a big drop off when you talk about the Miami Heat and New York Knicks that I think the Heat are gonna have their way and look for one of these guys to have that big big MSG moment you know everybody lives to you know wants to have that Madison Square moment um, you know where you perform at the Garden and just put on a show hopefully it's Bam out of bio man maybe Tyler Hero you know he's still pissed off he didn't make the All-Star game I'm looking for one of those two guys to really really have that big game at MSG because why the hell not so I'm expecting a big game from either Bam or Tyler maybe both But I'm talking about like that big, big game, you know, maybe like a nice 30 and 15 from Bam would be nice. Uh, That's what I'm looking forward to. More of like a stat chasing thing, because I just honestly feel like we're just miles, miles, miles better than the New York Knicks. And then we're just set for the All-Star Weekend, where you have the three-point shootout, the slam dunk competition, the skills competition, and ultimately... The All-Star Game, where our coach, Eric Spolstra, will be a head coach. Obviously, he's not too happy about that. And we will see our guy, Jimmy Butler, in the All-Star Game as well. So, 
it's going to be fun. We get to root for our Heat guys there on Sunday. Uh, All-Star game, I'm just hoping for a competitive game. Obviously, we never really get that. They always hype it up. They they make us believe like we're going to get something exciting, and then it just seems to be a disappointment every time. But I'm really hoping this time is a change, at least the fourth quarter. Like, look, can you guys just get after it? Like, why the hell not? Obviously, you know, we don't want any injuries out there, but let's make it a game. Make the All-Star game fun. I mean, that, that's what it's all about. Um but yeah, that's the wrap up with the Heat. So right now, like I said, still sitting at first place in the Eastern Conference at 37 and 20. And they're rolling along, man. And let's talk about the NBA trade deadline and give you my thoughts on that. Because obviously, last time I talked to you guys was a couple days before the deadline. Now the deadline's concluded. Everybody, everybody pretty much has their solid, solid team with the exception of the buyout market, which is going to be coming up this week. A lot of moving pieces are potentially on the move there. But the trade deadline is done, and we got some major, major trades that happened. Uh, first of all, Karis LeVert going to Cleveland. I think that's big time. The Cleveland Cavaliers right now sitting at 35-22, and 22, third seed in the Eastern Conference. I think adding a guy like Karis LeVert is big time. I thought they were going to try to get either C.J. McCollum, you know, him being from Akron, being from Cleveland. I thought that would be a really, really solid piece. Um, but I guess, hey, they, they got Karis LeVert, who's a real solid scorer. Definitely helps him at the two position. Exactly what Cleveland needed. You know, I was thinking about maybe even an Eric Gordon. But they made a move to solidify that two-guard spot, and I think Cleveland's going to be a fun, fun team to watch throughout the rest of the entire season. They're already, you know, shocking a lot of people. I mean, 18-9 and home record and a 17-13 and road record. I mean, that that's big time. 7-3 and in their last 10 games. So Cleveland's fun. Made a real, real necessary move right there. I absolutely love that move. Probably one of my favorite moves of the deadline. Um, another one. The Charlotte Hornets, they acquire Montrez Harrell. That's actually pretty fun. I mean, he already popped off his first game. I think he was 5 for 5 off the bench and just brings that constant energy and that passion, that determination. Everybody knows what Montrez brings to the table. I think Charlotte Hornets got a good one there. Uh, the Boston Celtics, they acquired Derek White from the San Antonio Spurs in exchange for Josh Richardson, if I'm not mistaken. Josh Richardson, it kind of shocked me because he started to really get into a groove with the Boston Celtics, but now being shipped away, Derek White comes to Boston. Derek White is a phenomenal defender. He can also play make for them. So they're just having guys out there that can make plays, and that's pretty much the Boston way. I mean, when you talk about having a guy like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, and Derek White all out there, they can all really set up others. So interesting. We'll see how it works for the Celtics. Celtics are actually starting to roll now, so. We'll see if they start to creep up a little bit. The Phoenix Suns, they made a move. They also bought back Torrey Craig in exchange for Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith was like their top 10 pick in the year before, if I'm not mistaken there. Uh, but they bring back a guy that was on their team last year, Torrey Craig, who is obviously a wing, 3 and D defender. Those are obviously useful in the NBA. And he's one of their own. I mean, he's part of the team that made it to the finals. So bringing a guy like that back... I, I can see where they're coming from. They're trying to they're trying to go all in, and I like it. Interesting move that surprised me. C.J. McCollum on the move, and he went to New Orleans. So the New Orleans Pelicans now have a potential big three of C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson. How successful will that be? 
Only time will tell because Zion still has not played. I don't know what the deal is with him. What's his status? Honestly, in my opinion, I don't think he plays at all. I've been saying that throughout the whole season. Just when you seem to prolong injuries and keep having setbacks time and time again, and then you get quiet and you're not really giving updates about his status, normally that means to me that you're pretty much going to be shut down for the season. Uh, but CJ McCollum to New Orleans, kind of a weird fit. I don't know if I like it. I mean, I love CJ McCollum, and I'm upset that he landed in New Orleans. I wish he went elsewhere, something like Cleveland, like I talked about earlier, or even the New York Knicks, like somewhere where CJ can just shine. And I mean, there's, there's nothing shiny about New Orleans, you know, obviously the food and the culture there, but I'm talking about the Pelicans, like, ugh, disgusting. But Porzingis for Dinwiddie. Porzingis goes to Washington. That was shocking to me. I really thought that Porzingis was really, really like a good fit. I mean, I know him and Luca sometimes bump heads, but I think Porzingis was really, really good for them and really started to come into his own. Obviously, not the way he was as a New York Nick, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I like the move. Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, you already got Brunson there. Ah. I don't know. I think the Mavs fumbled. I think the Mavs really, really fumbled on that one. Uh, Norman Powell going to the Clippers. I thought that was a big move. That was a solid move. I mean, now you got Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, who's been balling. Uh, Paul George may come back. Norman Powell now. You got, you know, you got Zubac. You keep Marcus Morris. Uh, Reggie Jackson, like I said. A real, real solid team. And then when they get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George back on the same team, on the same floor, I mean, this team's good. This team is solid. I mean, right now, they're, they're even playing good without their two top guys. They're within the top eight in the Western Conference doing big things. Credit to Ty Lue. Big move. I like the Norman Powell move a lot. The Milwaukee Bucks, they needed a big man. Remember, I talked about it last week. Brooke Lopez hasn't been healthy at all. And you really, really need somebody big who's going to help you go up against the guys like Joel Embiid, a guy like Bam Adebayo. You can't just rely on Giannis to be playing the five the entire season. So Bucks made a move. They got Sergi Baca, who's obviously a defender. He can block shots. He can stretch the floor. He can hit the mid-range shot. Real, real solid steal there for Milwaukee. Uh, Lakers make zero moves, which excites me. Now, stay with that damn team. You guys got greedy. You wanted Westbrook. You didn't want the Buddy Heel trade. Deal with it. I ain't feeling bad for you guys. New York Knicks didn't make a move either. That was surprising to me. I definitely thought Randall was on the move or something. I mean, they have so many issues there in New York. Such a huge drop-off from last season. So Fournier stays, Kemba stays, Randall stays. They're all safe there in New York City. And the Memphis Grizzlies and Warriors stood packed. They did not make any moves, which I love. Sometimes when you have teams that are, you know, achieving and have such great chemistry, I kind of get a little bit worried. Like, I don't want to mess things up. I kind of want to let them ride it out. And I'm happy that the Memphis Grizzlies and the Golden State Warriors are both doing so, especially the Grizzlies. I mean, a young team like this, you know, you guys are playing so well together. The chemistry's there. Like, don't break that up. Even if it's like you being greedy, just let it ride out. You guys are on the right, right track. Look to make a move when it comes to free agency or things like that. But this season, this remarkable season that the Grizzlies are having, stay packed, and I'm glad that they did so. And then the final trade I want to talk about. Oh, well, two more. So one, the Sacramento Kings. 
They get DeMontis Sabonis, Justin Holiday, and Jeremy Lamb in exchange for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. This deal was just a, so mind-boggling to me because Tyrese Halliburton, to me, he was just untouchable, man. I mean, the strides that he's made so early on in his career is something unlike that Sacramento has never had before. I mean, you talk about this guy can rebound the ball, can pass the ball, can shoot the ball, high IQ, great guy, embrace the city of Sacramento, love the city of Sacramento love the fans the fans love him like things that normally you know Sacramento things don't go right and they finally started to go right they did the right thing drafting a guy like Tyrese Halliburton 12th in the draft like they got the steal this guy's upside is unbelievable what is he about 8 19 20 years old and he's only going to get better I mean if you look at his numbers and especially if you look at his numbers when De'Aaron Fox was out with the injury this dude is big time, man, and this dude is going to be so, so special. I think the Kings are going to regret this move, but hey, this seems to be what the Sacramento Kings tend to do. Now, you are getting an all-star in DeMontis Sabonis. He's 25 years old. He's two years, two years left on his contract. Still young, hasn't reached his prime, has made the all-star game before two times in a row. To me, he's an all-star, and he's big time. He's tough as nails, no doubt. So I see Sacramento's perspective trying to get an all-star in. They haven't had an all-star since DeMarcus Cousins. So, and they're 2-0. and They're 2-0 and since making the trade. So maybe it was a good move. I guess time will tell. Foxes really seem to be clicking now, playing at the level he was last year over the last two games. So maybe it starts something. You know, there's less clutter in the backcourt with Davion, Reese, and, and De'Aaron Fox. We'll see. But, man, I mean— Tyrese Halliburton feel bad for the kid there was a report saying that he was crying about it and everything and you know me watching the Kings a lot for De'Aaron Fox I I definitely see that Tyrese Halliburton could definitely be a, a player that would be hurt by this so I do feel bad for Tyrese he's gonna shine I wouldn't have done this move but I guess time will tell we'll see how it goes Sacramento also acquired Dante DiVincenzo now that's a player who they highly coveted obviously they tried to make the um the move years back for Bogdanovich and DiVincenzo before getting caught with the tampering issue ultimately they get DiVincenzo as a three and D player really solid they love him I think that is a very very good fit for Sacramento um he hasn't been starting they're starting Justin Holiday next to De'Aaron Fox I understand because he's a shooter but I think uh, backcourt of De'Aaron Fox and Dante DiVincenzo, like that sounds nice. So hopefully they do implement that starting lineup. That's what I would do. I like that backcourt. They could grow together. Like the DiVincenzo move. Then the last one, Philadelphia acquiring James Harden and Paul Millsap in exchange for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. This move absolutely stunned the hell out of me. James Harden, to me, that's that's like a top six, top seven player in the NBA. You know, say what you want about him. That dude could ball, man. That's a nightly triple-double waiting to happen. He can rebound the ball, shoot the hell out of the ball, assist, playmake. He, he's awesome. Defense, eh. You know, when he wants to play defense, he could play defense. But adding a top seven player with a potential MVP in Joel Embiid, that's going to be freaking scary. And they didn't really lose much at all. I mean, you think about what did Philadelphia lose? Andre Drummond? I mean, Joel Embiid's playing like over 40 minutes of freaking game. So I don't think you're really missing anything there. And then what Ben Simmons hasn't been playing for you all year. So don't miss nothing there. Then Seth Curry. Obviously, Seth Curry's been shooting at a nice clip. Recently, he has struggled, but he's a three-point shooter, can stretch the floor. But the Philadelphia 76ers still got people that can shoot the ball. You're bringing in James Harden. He can shoot the damn ball. Niang has been shooting the ball. 
Moss has been shooting the ball, and they still got Danny Green, and they keep Matisse Thibault and Tyrese Maxey. Like, the Philadelphia 76ers, to me, are freaking scary after this move, and I think that's going to be the team who the Heat are going to have to face down the line, probably in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, James Harden to Philly is big time. Philadelphia ultimately won the NBA trade deadline with this move. It pisses me off, obviously, because I hate the Sixers, can't stand the Sixers, but hey, uh, I mean, competition, why not? Bring it the hell on. I like the way the Heat match up against this team regardless. So it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun. I'm really, really interested to see how this whole Philly and James Harden and Embiid things works out. But on paper, man, this looks freaking serious. The Brooklyn Nets getting Ben Simmons. I mean, is he going to play? Is he ready to play? How effective he's going to be? Right now, they're one on a 10-game losing streak. They're probably going to be in the playing game. Kevin Durant's still about four weeks out. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, a lot of people I say, a lot of people I see that Brooklyn won this trade. I don't see it. I mean, time will tell, but yeah, you, you got worse to me. I mean, when you have Kyrie Harden and, and Durant, you're pretty much a championship team. I mean, they played 16 games only. They went 13 and three when they all played on the same team, on the same court. I think they got worse, and I think Philly got better. So Philly wins the trade deadline to me, and it's going to be real interesting as we see how it gets down the line. So definitely wanted to touch base on those NBA things. Now that football season is behind us and the Super Bowl is past us, we are going to be talking about a lot of NBA things on here on the podcast. All right, so that's a wrap. Episode 57 in the books. NFL season is over, but the NBA is getting hot. Guys, thank you so much for making me a part of your day. Thank you so much for the continued support. And most importantly, thanks for listening to the Miami Sports Vibes podcast with Nando Diaz.